Bless you. I have a question for all of you. Where were you last week this time? <laughs> yeah? You, you survived that. Are you still all right? Did you go to work this week? Wow. Well, as you heard in the announcements by head, so we are very, very grateful for the word explosion that we had. And uh, last week, this time, we were marching. Some of you were hyperventilating. <laughs> we had paramedics on standby for some of you. But whatever the case, you made it. And you are back here. What a wonderful thing. Amen. Oh, there you are. There you are behind me. Just look at yourself. So maybe you can... Maybe you can see yourselves there. Yeah. There are some of you back there. Amen. I, I think one of the greatest commendations that I ever got was... Uh, oh, is that us there? Hey. That's something, eh? On Monday, I went to Woolworths at Columbine Square. And uh, one of the ladies who's serving there as a teller, uh, as a cashier rather, she was uh, saying to me, some of the young people came over to the shop the day before, I think 16-year-olds, 16-year-olds, and they were talking about the, the pilgrimage or the march. And they were so thankful to have had an opportunity to visit all these sites where we started. And that it just cements the history of the church. And for them, they felt, you know what? We understand where we come from and for that reason, we're going to make sure when we take the baton, we don't drop the ball. Isn't that amazing? I was so glad to hear that. I was just, yeah. And that's what it's about, Bahe. So our journey, by God's grace, of having started small in a classroom, 34 people, and here we are years later. And really, that's what I'd love to underline today and talk about from Zechariah chapter 4. And the title is, Do Not Despise the Day of Small Things. I'd love to tie in the experience of our journey as a church, collectively, but also I'm talking about your journey, wherever you are, whatever it is that God has laid in your heart about your journey, whether it's a journey in ministry, it's a journey in business, it's a journey in your career, it could be about your own life, you know, you're trying to correct certain things in your life, Maybe you are starting a family like the, 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 the couples here in front. And whoever you are, we just want to dedicate this message to you. Zechariah chapter 4 from verse 8 to verse 10, it reads, Moreover, and I'm reading the New King James Version, and I'm going to read just part of verse 10, all right? Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? With a question mark. Now, here's the background of this story. Because it, you, if you get the background, you'll really appreciate what is being said here. In the year 586 B.C., the armies of Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem. And this marked the end of the kingdom of Judah. Most of uh, Jerusalem's inhabitants at this time were deported to Babylon for a period of 70 years. You remember that uh, Jeremiah had prophesied this particular incident. But then when the Babylonian Empire fell to the Persian Empire, this is around 539 B.C., Cyrus the Great decreed that the Jews could return to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple. Now, you remember, any time the Jews were taken away and brought back, the issue of the temple was such a major thing to them because they needed the temple in which it was housed, in inverted commas, the Ark of the Covenant that meant everything to them, right? The presence of the Ark meant God is with them. The presence of the ark meant regardless of what came against them, that they would be protected. As much as they were a small nation, the ark being among them made them to be a very formidable nation. And so this is what they wanted. And one of the great victories of anyone who invaded them was to try and take this ark from them. And if they did that, they knew they'd really broken them to the core. And so 
anytime they returned from exile, one of the major, major things that they prioritized was to rebuild the temple, to set everything to its proper place. So at this time, a small minority of about 50,000 Jews returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel at this time, he was the governor uh, in, in Israel, and Joshua at this time was the high priest. As you know, how their governance worked, they had the spiritual side, if you would, and the natural side, governors or kings, and then you'd have priests who would deal on the spiritual side. Now, one of those 50,000 who re- returned was Zechariah, all right? So the, the, the Levitical sacrifices were then reinstituted. The altar was rebuilt for the burnt offerings, and you can find all this in Ezra chapter 3. And in the second year of their return, then they started the duty then of rebuilding the temple. They laid the foundation of the temple. However, in spite of that, there were still problems. There were external issues, external oppression, things that sort of disturbed what they're trying to do. Because, you know, anytime you try to rebuild, anytime you try to get back on momentum, there'll always be something that disturbs you. Anytime God gives you a dream or a vision, there'll always be something that disturbs that dream. But their problem was not only external. There were internal problems. The people at the time were depressed. They were demotivated, demoralized. And I think that's a bigger problem than external problems. Because, you know, even if you have land, and even if you have opportunity, and even if you can do something, when you yourself, you are demoralized, when the morale is low, and most of all, when the morale of the nation is low, there's not much that can be done. When we look in our world today, we see a very low morale that's there in the world. When you look in our country, you can almost tell the tone of people. People's morale is at an all-time low. So they had a problem. So they started then rebuilding the temple, but then they halted the rebuilding of the temple for 16 more years. And in that 16 years, they went into spiritual apathy until the rule of the, of the Persian king by the name of Darius. So in the second year of the reign of Darius, God then, God then begins to raise these prophets and he raises a prophet by the name of Haggai. And if we read the book of Haggai, he's a prophet of encouragement. He, he's encouraging the Jews to get back to work and to rebuild the temple. He preached four sermons in four months and then he disappeared from the scene. Then two months after Haggai had delivered his first sermon, Zechariah the prophet then is raised by God. And Zechariah comes into his prophetic ministry and just like Haggai, he begins to encourage the people. He encourages them to spiritual renewal. He's motivating them to rebuild the temple and he's revealing to them God's plan for them as Israel and the future that God has. And so when you read Zechariah, he is one of, it's, it is one of the longest and the most obscure books when, that you read because Zechariah is one of the minor prophets just like Haggai. And just to explain, minor prophets are only called minor prophets because of the length of their prophecies and not necessarily the importance of their prophecies. So you know that the book of Haggai, uh, the, the book of, uh, 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 the, the one that we've read, the book of Zechariah, are kind of short books. And so when you read the prophecies there that we find in Zechariah, there were several of them. And when he came to the fourth prophecy, we find him saying certain things. In the fourth prophecy, he sees a vision, which was the fifth vision that he sees. And in this vision, he sees a golden lampstand, he sees two olive trees and he, he then prophesies and in his prophecy, the thrust in this vision is that Zerubbabel, God's going to be with you. God's going to help you that what you are starting in these difficult times, small as it is, minor as it is, God's going to help you. You're going to start, but you're going to finish. And the reason you're going to finish is not because of your mind, it's not because of your strength, but it is because of the Spirit of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Even though the, the details when you read seem not to be clear at times, but when you read in Zechariah 4, verse 8 to 10, let me read it to you in the living, New Living Translation. It says, Then another message came to me from the Lord. 
Zerubbabel is one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. And I love the one which is the theme text and we are using it as the title for a message. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. For these seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that search all around the world. So the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah in some kind of, you know, he's prophesying and he's telling this man, Zerubbabel, even if you lay the foundation, you will finish that foundation because the Lord is with you. Can I hear an amen? amen. So then Zerubbabel then is an important leader for the tribe of Judah and for the descendants of David because God will always choose somebody to use, whether it's in the community in the family, whether it's in some structure, God will choose somebody. I have a sense and I have a feeling that I'm looking at some Zerubbabels in this place. I don't know what is the female name of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabeling or something like that, but I'm looking at the Zerubbabel. Just, just nudge the Zerubbabel next to you and say, hi, I can, I can kind of see you. So Zerubbabel is involved in the reconstruction of the Jewish temple. The work of building is not an easy one. The work of reconstructing also is not an easy one. But let's say this way. The work of building or rebuilding has to start somewhere. It always starts with small beginnings. And God says to him, don't worry. Even if it's small beginnings, you will finish. So the word of the Lord that comes to Zechariah is the same word that I believe We've walked in the last 40 years, starting as 35 people in a classroom, in a small place, and seeing the grace of God over the 40 years. And we believe that in the next 40 years or however many years, God will still travel with us. Can I hear an amen? Why? Because the ability to finish is by the power of the Holy Spirit. As much as I talk about our story, I'm talking about your story. That whatever it is that God has guided your hands to do. This is what he says to Zechariah in verse 6. He said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by the spirit of God, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, strength to finish the temple, Zerubbabel, would not come from man's ability or from military might, but it would be by the power of the spirit of God. But the key is, never despise the small beginnings or the small things. Now, I want to show you, therefore, the power of small beginnings and the importance of small beginnings. Because unfortunately, we are living in a time when people don't understand this truth. Our world is very obsessed with things that are big, large. We're obsessed with things that are headlines, head stories, we want a lot of likes on our Facebook page. We want to be trending. We want big. But the truth is this. When God works, he starts with small, insignificant things. And if you never learn the discipline of handling small things and small beginnings, you will miss out on what God wants to do in your life. I want to show you these nine things about the importance or the power of small things. Number one, during small beginnings, and I'm going to use small beginnings and small things interchangeably, all right? During small beginnings, what normally happens is that one tends to put in a lot of work and effort with minimal support and encouragement. Because you see, when you are starting, nobody believes in what you're doing. It's a new thing, it's a small thing, it's insignificant, and oftentimes you have the analysts who want to tell you that what you're doing is not going to work. Have you ever been there, somebody? Yes. I remember when we wanted to build this building, you know, we went to uh, consult with some, uh, you know, uh, organization and some leaders and, and we wanted to build. And, and, you know, then I didn't know certain words. And I remember this person who saw us, uh, the first question, they don't even answer us when we say we're looking for funds and so on. The first thing they said is, have you done a feasibility study? I didn't even know what a feasibility study <laughs> Have you ever had someone tell you something that you don't understand what they meant? You have to go home to look at the dictionary, particularly those days when you didn't have cell phones. And, and so 
I had to go home to realize that, oh, their answer was no. <laughs> Do a feasibility study. But you know, small things are that way. You have to put in a lot of effort, but with minimal support and encouragement. Please note that if you're one who is too obsessed with being encouraged and being supported, you'll never be able to do anything. It's great when we are supported. It's good when we are encouraged. But I can tell you it's not always so. Number two, small beginnings often require dedication and commitment. What do I mean? A lot of time and hours must be put into what you have started. You know, most things, I tell you, the beginnings of things is very difficult, you know. You know, when we were at Homemakers, we were explaining to people, do you have a picture of Homemakers, Tsepang? If you have it, you can put it on the screen behind me. They've got lots of pictures. They've put them everywhere. If it's there, if it's not there, it's fine. But at Homemakers, it was very difficult, you know, meeting in this place that's just a roof over your head, didn't have any walls. The long setup procedures here, there's Homemakers there. Yeah, you see that building there? That's where we used to meet, right? Oh, this is past, this past Sunday. It's not when we started. <laughs> But this is a building where we may look at the walls. I mean, look how dilapidated this building. It wasn't as dilapidated. We tried to juge it up. You know, we would try and do something. But I remember we had to, we had to close those walls with a canvas. And then in the process, the community stole the canvases. So we had an open air service. You know, in our church, we didn't say come through the door. We just said, just come. <laughs> we had to put up a PA system in this place. We had to bring in the chairs, uh, and then uh, we, we had a stage that we had to set up every morning. I mean, it was a lot of work, a lot of work. So, you know, when, you, when you're starting, sometimes there's a lot of work, and it's important for you to understand that it takes a lot of time and a lot of hours to start something. Thirdly, it is not, usual to it is not unusual rather, to experience setbacks in one way or another. So when you're starting, you will experience setbacks. Now, it doesn't mean you won't experience setbacks later on, but more so when you're starting, you will experience setbacks. The key is when you experience setbacks, don't give up. Keep going on. Oh, yeah. Keep going on. So you're going to understand when you are starting, there'll be a lot of problems. I mean, in this place at Homemakers, there were lots of problems. The community stole the canvases. Sometimes the electricity wasn't there. We had to learn to use generators. We used to fix in the toilets, the, you know, and then the community would come and mess up the toilets. You come in, the toilets are leaking, it's broken. I tell you, it's a lot of problems. It's a lot of problems. But it's part of building. Can I hear a good amen? Oh yeah, so just keep going. Keep going. Number four, the scripture encourages us not to despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the word begin. Now note, note, Small beginnings, which we can also call humble beginnings, are times that God works on our character. You see, it's in these small beginnings where God works on our character, which in time will show its strength in purpose. Why? Because at this stage, you have not yet experienced the fullness of the dream. And for the most part, many of us at this beginning and at the start of things, we are inexperienced ourselves. So it's in this times where God builds up our character to keep us grounded in him. See, God doesn't want to give us instant success because most people don't understand instant success can be problematic to us. You know, when you become a hit overnight and you become headline stories overnight, or you start handling powerful things overnight and your character is not developed, it's a big problem. I mean, Joseph himself, as much as you are going to lead his family and be in this powerful position, God gave him almost 16 years of training. Yeah, he had first to be thrown into a pit, slowed into slavery, go into jail, lied upon, his friends desert him, turned their backs on him, all kinds of things. And then years later, when he came into power, he, on the inside, he was a different man. <laughs> Because power is very problematic in the hands of someone who doesn't have character. Whether it's political power, economic power, spiritual power, whatever power, whatever power. And so it is in these times of small beginnings where God wants to develop character. In short, character is the secret of great people. 
Why? Because attitude determines altitude. See, a person who lacks character cannot sustain greatness. Because see, the, 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 the challenge of success, as much as we like talking about it, is that success has a way of running to our heads. And we become big-headed, we become proud, we start talking down on people, we start dealing with people from the position of our strength. Just ask your neighbor, why are you not saying amen? Is he talking about you or what? Why are you not saying anything? Is, he, is the brother talking about you or what? <laughs> and so in these small beginnings, it's almost like God delays putting us on a public platform kind of cooks us. You know, God, God doesn't microwave us. He pressure cooks us. Slowly but surely. <laughs> he just takes his time, you know. Just, just cooks us very slowly because he knows we'll be good. Number five, humble beginnings help us to see how far we have come from where we started. And it helps us to see the work that we have put in for us to move from small beginning to completion. Let me say that again. Humble beginnings help us to see how far we have come from when we started and the work we have put in and for us to move from small beginning to completion. This is why when we struggle, you know, and I know, you know, we, we don't like to talk about struggle, problem, and so on, but, but when you read the Bible, struggle, problem is part of our journey. Yeah. There are certain things we're, gonna, we're not going to pray away. Yeah. Nah, you, can, you can believe God and bind the devil. There are certain things that are not bindable at all. Just have to go through it. The journey of our faith is that it's a journey that has all kinds of things in it. It's got problems. There's times when we get discouraged. There's times when we feel like God is not with us. There are times when you feel like stopping to believe God. There's, there's times when there's, there's, there's days you know, there's days you don't know. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? There are times when it takes longer than what you said, longer than what you prophesied. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. And it's all of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I tell you, it's in the length of the journey and in the struggle that you have a greater appreciation of what God does in your life. So when you get things instantly, you, don't, you end up not having capacity of appreciating it. If things come too easy... And I want to say this in our communities. You know, I was saying it in the first service. You know, our age group who grew up under apartheid, you know, and who grew up struggling a lot. Not that things have changed for everybody, but, you know, some people are doing much better than others. So some of us, you know, we, we walk to school. We were never driven to school. And that's if you had shoes, you'd wear your shoes. If you had them. During lunchtime, if you had lunch, you know, if the, your parents could give you money. You know, at home, I mean, when we ate, you know, you had uh, the different variations and the different styles of cabbage. <laughs> One day it's with onion, another day they boil it, another day they... Come on now, come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Another day they put uh, tomato in it, and another day it's... Uh, Anybody knows it's, it's fried and then it's boiled and then it's marinated? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? It's, it's just different versions of the same thing. Some other days it's cabbage and mayonnaise. Some other days it's mayonnaise and cabbage. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> so so you, you grow up like that. I remember at home, you know, we, we were quite a big family. Five children and... Uh, and then we, we have just one chicken to share. And there's seven of us. Any of you who used to get the wing of the chicken? <laughs> you have to negotiate that wing to just to get the meat. I mean, really, you know. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You know, you have this Moranyana wing with a heap of pap. Come on now. Don't, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. We worked, didn't earn a lot of money. First car that I bought was a sick car. You need a miracle for it to start, and after it starts, you need a miracle for it to stop. I mean, you must... You must I remember my, well, the, the first car I had, I don't know, I don't know, is it the, the, the thing, is it the chassis? 
underneath the chassis had holes in it. So when you drove through, <laughs> when you drove through a puddle of water, you had to raise your legs. <laughs> You know, when you don't understand at that time, you, you kind of say, but why God? But you know what? In hindsight, I thank God for those days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the day you got a car that at least could drive from here to Pretoria without hyperventilating, you were thankful to God and you took care of it. Oh, yeah. You took care of it. Oh, my goodness. You looked after it. But then here's a problem. We grow up and then we become parents and say, I don't want my children to go through what I went through. Oh, yeah. Which I understand it shouldn't happen that way. But then we cushion our kids. We spoil them. Do everything for them. And you hope things is going to work out. And then they grow up and they become demanding spoiled brats. Demanding all the time and you always have to work and, and tiptoe around them and they don't clean, they don't make up the bed. They can sit in the house with food in the refrigerator in the cupboard saying, Then you have to come and cook for the poor, the spoiled breads. I think I've revised my understanding. I think a bit of struggling. Not maybe, but a bit of responsibility and challenge is very important. You can't give people things on a silver platter. They've got to work for it. Oh, yeah. But you see, that's what small beginnings do. See, go around the building. I thank God for all of you because you don't see graffiti around. You don't see people standing out street at out there, gentlemen, Bashaya 69. For, for our US, US people, 69 is when people urinate. So it's just a, just a, so we just, because we're in church, you know, you have to cushion it. So we'll call it 69. So we just call it. But I've seen communities when they come and rent this facility who were not there when we were giving the money, who never gave a cent. You know, when we gave money, 18 years we were giving offering. 10 rents, 20 rents, struggling through it. They come here, they find it here, some of the guys. And I've seen them during events, I've seen them smoking outside, urinating. And I go stop, I say, hey, you don't do that here. So the offer tells I'm in casual clothes, they don't even know I'm, I'm the lead pastor. And I say, you don't do that. And they look at me like, who do you think you are? I say, who do you think you are? And they want to write graffiti and they come and mess up the place and we, we had to stop at a point. But I realized if you, if you never struggled through getting something. Now I don't want to make a doctrine out of it. But I've realized if everything is delivered on a platter, we don't have a sense of appreciation. So small beginnings to a large extent will help you to have a perspective of where you started. And to understand, number six, small beginnings will train you. See, there's no greatness without training. Small beginnings help you to rehearse greatness again and again. You look at David. Before he killed Goliath, he killed a lion. He killed a bear. And when he killed the lion and the bear, there was nobody there to witness. He was all alone in private. God wants us to train out of the spotlight. Oh, yeah. 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 That's why oftentimes when you meet people doing great things and we say, no, they started today. No, they've been there. God hides them to train in private, to train in secret, to learn how to use your sword and to learn how to use the skill. Yeah. Unfortunately, today people are in a hurry to want to come to the limelight. Very much in a hurry to become the voice, to become the first one. You know, and we don't have the character to sustain that. Small beginnings train us. It's the training school of champions. So if God has kept you in private, in secret for a long time, and you're not getting what we call your breakthrough, rejoice. It's very possible that what the mission that God has for you is a big one. God doesn't want to release you prematurely. Can I hear a good amen? God doesn't want to release you prematurely. Number one. Small beginnings build a solid foundation. 
In other words, small beginnings help us, help you to build the foundation of what God has given you. See, building foundations is, is a very important step because oftentimes the foundation is the unseen part of the building. And depending on the size of structure you want to build, it, you can tell by the size of foundation. Sometimes, depending on the type of soil you are building on, sometimes you have to go under the ground. So after months of labor and a lot of work and a lot of money and a lot of time, when you walk off the building site, there's nothing to show and there's nothing to see. Those who don't have the mentality of building, who don't understand the importance of small things, think that they have wasted their time. Some of you right now, you may be at that stage. You've got this thing, you've got this project, there's nothing to show. You're working day in, day night, you're doing all that you can. You're doing everything right, but there's nothing to show. If you don't understand, you'll give up. If you don't understand this principle, you'll walk away from it. But there's a lot of what we do that stands of what on what cannot be seen. If you look at many buildings, they spend months and months working on the foundation. Months and months. And the foundation sometimes is very expensive material there. There's a special type of concrete which is very expensive. Oftentimes they have to put steel underground. Very expensive. And millions of rands later, there's nothing to show outwardly. But there's a lot that's there that's unseen. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. See, oftentimes we see the success of people, but we don't want to hear about the unseen story. We don't know about the hours in the background, the hours of labor, the hours of prayer, the hours of work, the hours of planning. We don't see it. We only see what's on the outside. Now, before you look at what's on the outside and desire what's on the outside, ask the question, how did you get here? Ask the question, how did you get here? Oh, yeah. So small beginnings build that foundation. Many people, unfortunately, fail in their pursuit of their God-given dream because they didn't take time to dig out the foundations needed for what they want. The deeper you dig in your season of small beginnings, the higher the facility you can build on it and the longer it will last. Because see, a good foundation makes for a steady building. There are people who fast track, fast forward, microwave themselves into being seen. And the thing lasts only for a few months or a few years. And when it crashes, it's like there's nothing that was there before. Because people become impatient. One man once said, no one can ever build anything of substance if they have a hurried spirit about them. Oh, yeah. You Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't have chachiology. Uh, is to be quick, to be fast, and to be hurried. Tell your neighbor, no chachiology, neighbor, no chachiology. Yeah. Don't ever have a hurried spirit about you. Number eight, small beginnings help in capacity development. You know, <laughs> when when all you have is small and you're not getting all that you should get, you learn to be creative with the little you have. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you. Oh, oh, oh. I, I've told you that story. My wife and I, after we got married and we were living in this back room, one room, and we had a crate. A crate. Yeah. That crate. Yeah. It was everything. It was a storeroom. It was a chair. It was a cabinet. It was a step. We could step on it if you wanted. It was, it was that, that one crate. That one crate. So, 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 so in small beginnings, you learn how to take one thing and make it ten things. Capacity. Yeah. But you see, but, but, but she, someone comes in and they want to buy ten things, but you have one thing that you convert into ten things. In other words, you know how to make the little stretch. Yeah. You know how to make the rent stretch and buy even more than just one rent. Because small things force you into that situation. Forces you into that situation. I remember the first car I bought was a, uh, okay, this was the, was it the first car? Yeah. The others I was given, but this, you know, the ones I was given, I just call them cars because I'm being polite, Mara. 
cannot march on cars. <laughs> there was this car was given called 1100. I don't know whether of you know this car called the Colt 1100. No, I, I, I don't blame you if you don't know it. It's, it's like a dinosaur. <laughs> so, and uh, some of our church members only told me years later, years later, that when they saw me driving to them in that car, they actually disappeared from the street. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't tell me at that time. And I said, why? They said, nah, we didn't want to be associated with them. <laughs> Called 1100. I'll, I'll get a picture of that called 1100 one day. You'll see it was. Uh, but I remember the first car that I was able to buy, I bought a, a, a uh, station wagon because we, we needed to transport the sound system. So I needed a car that can. You see, I, I didn't buy a Slasa <laughs> with low profile wheels and doom, 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 doom. To, to, I didn't buy that one. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, and so that station wagon was great. And then when we traveled and took minister trips, we could put luggage at the back. And it was, it was everything, just the one car. Just doing so many things. But that's what small things do to you. You learn how to leverage the little you have. You don't throw money at problems. You don't think money can solve everything. Even if you need it, don't misunderstand me. But you know how to leverage. And then when you get money, you know how to use it sparingly. Not stingingly, sparingly. There's a difference. But you see, that's what God wants us to do that. You know? There are many people who think if I was just to have money, if I was just to get an increment, you know, you know, if I was just to get an increment, the month will never run out without me having something. And then you got your increment. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, that's, that's a laughter out of revelation there. Yeah. <laughs> you got your increment. Now, we don't say people should be underpaid. Of course, we should be paid fairly and justly. We all need an increment. We've got to have what is fair and just. But it's having, having all the money is no guarantee. Yeah. Look at the people who, who were able to catch the lotto. Yeah. 10 million rands, 20 million rands. A few months later, they're on the show, I blew it. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's really not about, as much as that's important. But, see, but if you had learned to know how to make the little stretch when you got the 20 million. Yeah. And it's very strange that the guys who get 20 million, they'll go and buy the latest car. They won't even buy themselves a house. They're living in a back room. Okay, let's stop. We are in church. I'm not going to go into that. Let's go to the next point. Let's go to the next point. So small beginnings help in capacity development. Many faint and get tired in the pursuit of their dream because they lack the stamina and the capacity to drive on. I tell you, most of these dreams we have take longer than what we thought. I always tell pastors when they're going to build a church and, you know, they come to me, they say, well, I met with the building committee. They said we can do this at a reasonable price. It will just cost us one million rands and we'll be done in two months. And I say to them, <laughs> I say, no, it's not going to happen. And, you know, they look at you like, oh, you don't have faith. I say, no, 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 no. I have a lot of faith. But I just know buildings have a way of dictating to us. Yeah, because there's a lot of unfactors, unfactored issues that come into the play, you know. Because you, you said, okay, our offering is so much every month. We have so many members. Multiply by two, minus by five, conservatively speaking. And I say, hey, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So the first month when you launch the building fund, you lose several members. And the offering goes down. Yeah, yeah. You know, people start joint ventures, right? And you launch this big thing and it's all, you know, it's all breaking news, biggest whatever. And then three months into the journey, your JV partner decides to leave and pull out their funding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything you start, plan for a long journey. I didn't say don't trust God. I didn't say don't pray. I didn't say don't have faith. 
but make up your mind, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be the last woman standing and the last man standing. I'm not going to give up. No matter how long it takes. That's the only way. Small beginnings teach us that, to have the stamina and the capacity because when you're working hard and you're doing everything right, but you're not seeing any fruit as quickly as you want, it's very discouraging to go back and do the same thing, pray the same prayers, do the same thing, make the same declaration, read the same verses, say the same thing, but when you look, it hasn't moved. Well, it hasn't moved in your eye. Ah, but in the kingdom of God, in the spirit world, it has moved somewhere. Listen how Jesus teaches about the sower and the seed. He says, he says, the, he says the, the, the sower went out to sow. Then let's fast track. Some seed fell on good ground. And it sprang up. Then he, he goes on, he says, he says, the man put seed into the ground. Night and day he goes to sleep and the seed grows. He doesn't know how. But yours is to have faith in what you have put in the ground. Do all that is necessary to create the right environment for growth. Am I talking to people in the house? Do all that's necessary to create the right environment. Even if you can't see that seed growing. The seed has the power in itself to grow. If you give it good good environment and you water it and you fertilize it, even if you don't see it, when I just do what's right and just do the one thing, just go to bed alright, just go to bed, just lie down and wake up, come back, do the same thing, go back, rise, sleep rise, do, am I talking to anybody in the house? The seed has the power within itself to grow. God has hardwired it to grow. The vision that God has given you, it will come to pass in the appointed time. If it takes long, wait for it. God said, it will surely come to pass. Just do the right things. Do the right things. Many people, they, they stop, they start something else. They start they started this business, invested a lot of money, had lots of plans. Two years later, they stopped. Yeah. Why are you stopping now? I'm not seeing all. After so much work. And you knew what you're doing comes from God. You know it's a dream. You know it's the vision God has given you. And you say it's not working. I man, give it time. Are you there, Bazalana? Give it time. T tell your neighbor, give it time, neighbor. Please give it time. Give it time. And number nine. Number, number nine. Number nine. It's nine. Comrade, it's nine. Number nine. Small beginnings help us to practice the discipline of planning and strategy. The discipline that we have to develop. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. This speaks of building technical ability. It also speaks of the strategy that gives you energy to push and to do things differently. Now, as we are about to conclude, how do we nurture small things? How do we nurture small beginnings? In Matthew 25, I won't read it because it's a very long passage. From verse 14 to verse 30, Jesus tells a story of a master who entrusted his servants with different talents. Some he gave 10, others 5. But then there's the one he just gave one talent to. On his return, after he had been on a long trip, he calls his servants to give an account of what they had done with the talents entrusted to them. All the servants had multiplied the little that the master had entrusted them with, except the servants who had been entrusted with one talent. Now, note the excuse of the servant in verse 24 of Matthew 25. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Now note, I went and hid your talent in the ground. I went and hid your talent in the ground. The verses that follow, we know that the master was very unhappy. 
with the servant. In other words, when you don't put into work the things God has invested in your life, it's almost like you become a disappointment to the creator. When God entrusts you with something small, he expects you to nurture it and to look after it. Because after all, God always starts small. Look around at nature. God always starts small. Look at you and me. At some point, we were some invisible something, something. And look how big we are today. Aren't you glad that God didn't start us this big? Can you imagine what would happen to our moms? How big the pregnancy would be? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, one about to shame. But that's the pattern. God starts small. So, Matthew 25 reveals the following about nature in the seed. Number one, greatness is always hidden in small things. Very important. Very important. Greatness is always hidden in small things. Number two, big impact is possible if the right little seeds are sown. Got to sow the right seeds. Number three, Guys, we have visitors from the U.S. now. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, I'll wait for you. Whoa. I, I, must re- I must change the name of this church and call it Whoa Bible Church. <laughs> okay, big impact is possible if the right little seeds are sown. Can I move on? Yes. Number three, small beginnings, if not despised, can inspire greatness. And the despising is not just looking at it and so on, but, you know, if you don't take it seriously, you're despising it. If you don't apply yourself to it, you're despising it. Small beginnings, if not despised, can inspire greatness. May I please move on? I'm humble. Small things, if well invested, can be transformed into great things. Small things, if well invested, can be transformed into great things. Now, the next things I'm going to read are not points, so know who. In our world today, many people are in a rush to become great overnight. Yeah. They want the ministry overnight. They want a big business overnight. They want a successful career overnight. They want to be big overnight. And this quest has dragged many into cultism. Where people have to resort to other means. Lie, cheat, steal. Go somewhere, they give you something to chew, tie on your wrist, on your whatever, smoke it, drink it, just do anything to get it to grow. With us in the ministry, we manufacture fake miracles, give prophecies that are not there, try to be what we are not. And we end up into this cultism and many ungodly things. And as a result, many are crashing out of greatness. Potentially, we could be great. But we disqualify ourselves because we resort to this means. Starting small is paying the price that will sustain your rise. Very important. Write it down. You can say, oh, on that one. Starting small is paying the price that will sustain your rise. Because, you see, once you learn the principles, listen to this, once you learn the principles and the character develops, there's no telling how far God can take you. 
And by His grace, whatever He does through your life doesn't become an enemy that destroys you. When you see things happen, you don't become big-headed. You don't want to be the number one and the everything. You don't want to lecture everybody. Why? You know the journey. You know the pain. And when you meet somebody who's still in the beginning stages, you don't talk down to them. You understand what it feels because you were there. Yeah, yeah. You know what it feels like to work and not see any results. You know what it feels like to have people walk away from a project and leave you by yourself. You know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to wake up not knowing if you are coming or going. You know what it feels like to pray simply because you have the discipline to pray, not because you feel like it. Oh, you know how it feels like. But you see, God can trust a woman like that. God can trust a man like that. Because God has worked at your character. And when things are done and when everything's said and done and things are there and when people want to praise you, say, ah, it's not by might, it's not by power. Oh, come on, somebody, it is by the Spirit of the Lord. To Him deserves all the glory and the praise. It belongs to Him. Greatness is the little seeds planted in the soil of purpose and character. So do not despise the days of your little beginnings. See, before the beautiful butterfly emerges, it goes through several stages of transformation. And if you've ever seen a caterpillar, and you see a caterpillar in that face, it doesn't make sense to think that that ugly thing is going to be a beautiful butterfly. But in that stage of that caterpillar, there's a beautiful thing that's brewing up. Some of you may be at that caterpillar stage where all you see around you looks so ugly. Everything you look at doesn't look so beautiful. But if you stay the course, if you're not going to give up, if you're going to be faithful, if you're going to stay the course, oh, something beautiful is brewing. God's going to bring beauty out of ashes. God's going to bring something beautiful. Can I hear an amen? You see, greatness is like that. It doesn't always look like it. In the beginning, it doesn't look like it. But you need to wait for it. You need to wait for it. You need to walk the walk. Commit to the principles. Keep your mouth shut and just get busy. Don't give up on your dream. Pursue your dream. Don't be discouraged to start where you are. If you have to use the crate, use the crate. That's all you have. If you have to use that sick car and raise your feet, when you come to the puddle, that's the only car you have. Don't don't try to be where you are not. Just be where you are. Be real about it. God will see you through no matter what you're going through. Can I hear a shout and an amen in the house? God will see you through no matter who you are. If you wait to start big, You'll waste your time. You'll waste your time. Don't waste God's investment in your life. And don't look at the other person on the other side and be covetous of what they have. You don't know their story. Oh, you don't know their pain. You don't know their journey. You are not there. Don't compare yourself with them. Just stand up and begin what God has called you to do. Job 8, 7 says, remember better is the end of a matter than the beginning thereof. And finally, always remember that it is God who's with you. And that's the only reason you'll get there. Even as you start in small beginnings, God is with you. The same we said to Zerubbabel, I will be with you. You can remain confident that with God being with you, in the words of Paul, he who has started a good work in you will bring it to completion till the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God didn't make a mistake when he chose you. God didn't make a mistake to put that vision in your heart. God didn't make a mistake when he troubled your heart with that vision. So no matter how hard it may seem right now, No matter how difficult the season, God says, don't worry. I am with you, Zerubbabel. Your hand started it. 
and your hand will finish it. Not because of you, but because it is not by might, it is not by power, it is by my spirit. But I'm going to demand certain disciplines out of you, Zerubbabel. Stay the course in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen in the house? Hallelujah. Let's stand. We're going to pray together. Would you lift up your hands and just thank the Lord for the word today? Wherever you are in your journey, just talk to God and thank him for his word. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light on our path. Pray to the Lord right now and thank him for his word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless the Lord. All over the place, even those of you who are live streaming, wherever you are today, I want to ask you not to give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. God's not done with you. God's not through with you. Hallelujah. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Bless your name, O God. Thank you, Lord, that you will bring to completion that which you have started in our lives. Thank you, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit will encourage somebody. I pray that your Holy Spirit will lift up somebody. I pray that your Holy Spirit will encourage those who want to give up, O oh God. Those whose hands are drooping. Those whose faith is failing them. Those whose courage is leaked out of them. Lord, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will encourage them now. Mama Makuria Tosilemani Hanusetestel, Gilemani Anon Nembra Cotongo Nusikandolo, Cotilemaria Nombra Sikandonchele. Encourage some young person, Lord, I pray. Encourage a mother, a father. Encourage those who, who discouragement is trying to wipe them out. Those who depression is trying to drown them out. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, bless your name. Just remain standing, please. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Hallelujah. There may be some of you who have been invited you here today. May you've come on your own, whatever the situation. But as you listen to God's word, you look at your life and, and you know that you haven't committed your life to Jesus Christ as yet, as Savior and Lord of your life. As you've been listening to God's word, you realize that, you know, God is interested in me. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. God has plans for you. Plans that you may not even be aware of. But God wants to bring you into his kingdom and make you his child. So that his work can begin in your life. So I'm going to ask us all with our heads but our eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, you know what? My life is not pleasing before God. 
I ask you to pray for me, please. I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ to be my Savior and my Lord. Right where you are, if that is you and you need the prayer, would you raise your hand, please? I want to pray for you. Let God begin something in your life today. Raise it high without any shame, without any fear. I see that hand over there. Ushers, please help me. Just help me. Just raise that hand. God bless you. God bless you. It has to start somewhere. It doesn't have to start in a big way. Could be just a decision that you're making this morning that sets you on this course. Thank you for those hands. May I ask everybody who raised their hands, I want to pray for you, please. I want to ask you to come just from where you're standing. If you could take your belongings, don't leave your belongings behind. And please just walk to the front. And I want to pray for you in front here. The ushers will help you. Just come from where you are standing and just come to the front. The ushers will help you. Come on. If you raise your hand, come, let's pray together. Come, let's pray together. Thank you so much. Come stand here, my God. Come stand here. Right here, facing me. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Stand right there.